Tipperary, Ireland, 55 years ago. Dilly was terrified, but she was trying her hardest not to show it. She wanted to appear strong, no matter how she felt inside. It was important not to give in. So she kept her eyes tightly closed, shutting out her surroundings and trying to imagine that she was somewhere else. In the meadow behind the farm, perhaps, with the smell of the newly mown hay on the breeze and the heat of the sun on her back. The meadow was a good place to be. But then, anything was better than here. Look at me when I'm talking to you. The words were icy cold, and Dilly didn't have to open her eyes to see the face of the woman she'd secretly nicknamed Fury. It was already fixed in her mind, long and narrow, lips clamped into a thin, angry line, eyes flinty grey behind steel-rimmed glasses which rested on a sharp nose. The nose was red with anger, the same anger that made the cheeks almost white. Dilly could count on one hand the number of times she'd seen that face not looking angry. And even then, it never looked particularly happy. Dilly couldn't understand why. Surely the woman should be happy. She'd chosen her life, hadn't she? Unlike Dilly, who hadn't exactly chosen hers. I said, look at me. This time, Dilly allowed her eyes to open slowly. The face was as she'd expected, although the mouth was even thinner than usual and the cheeks whiter than ever. Where did you think you were going? I was leaving, thought Dilly, running away. It was a stupid idea, of course, because there was nowhere for her to run to. But even nowhere would be better than here, wouldn't it? She didn't say the words out loud. Fury didn't really want her to speak. She knew that already. I do my best. There was a despairing tone to the woman's voice. If anyone else had heard it, it would have seemed as though her patience had been tested to its very limits, as though she genuinely had tried and tried without success, as though Dilly had worn her down. Wouldn't you agree that I do my best? This time an answer was expected. Dilly tried, but although she formed the words, her mouth was too dry to speak. Cat got your tongue? Dilly said nothing. What am I going to do with you? The voice was still despairing, but there was an undercurrent of hardness. What will make you understand that there are rules and you have broken them? Dilly knew there were rules. Over the last few months, her life had been framed by them. But they weren't her rules, and she didn't want to live by them. She wanted a different life altogether. She wanted freedom. To go wherever she chose. To be the person she dreamed of being. She wanted to walk outside the walls that surrounded the big granite building and to keep on walking until she reached the sea. Then she wanted to get on a boat. She didn't care where it was going. And after that, well, maybe she'd keep on moving. There was no reason for her to stay after all. Stand up. Tilly hadn't realized that she was on her knees. How strange, she thought, that I didn't know that. That I didn't realize she was towering over me because I was on the floor. My mind must be going. Quickly! But Tilly couldn't move quickly. 
She used the arm of the big chair to haul herself to her feet. Then she fumbled at the threadbare band that held her golden hair back from her face, adjusting it so there wasn't a single strand out of place. Still vain, I see. Now the voice was scornful. A bit late for that, don't you think? That was a difficult question to answer. Dilly didn't think she was vain, but she was perfectly aware that she was beautiful. People said it to her all the time, although not in a way that was designed to make her feel good about it. Usually they were pointing out that looks like hers were bound to get her into trouble one day. There weren't that many golden-haired, blue-eyed girls in the Midlands, certainly not many who had a slender body on top of endlessly long, elegant legs. Adele Mullins, her best friend, said that she was just like Marilyn Monroe.